As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Riffers. This is Riffs and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riffwake. And I'm Remy, on Riffwake as Morris. Today's topic is Combat Part 2. Ding, ding. Okay. So, uh, on Tuesday's episode, we talked a bit about the basics of how combat works in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Now we're going to go into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty, talking more about the strategy side of things, as well as more of what you're able to actually do on a turn. So I mentioned in Tuesday's episode a lot about the action economy in combat, in that more attacks is good. That being said, one of the most important strategies of combat in 5th edition, is to have as many allies as is reasonable for the situation you're in, try to take as many of your opponents out of combat as quickly as possible. So the easiest way to do that is to have as many people as are in reach of a single opponent to focus fire on that opponent, to try to maximize the number of attacks against one enemy, because any enemy that is taken out before they get to have their turn is an enemy that is not attacking you. So if everyone in the group... Oh, sorry, yes? Yes, as simple logic would dictate, once an enemy is taken out of combat... But it's kind of remarkable just how often that isn't done. There's some mentality that a lot of D&D players have of during combat, I'll take that guy, you take that guy, you take that guy. And it devolves into a series of one-on-one duels, which means that everyone is just taking multiple turns, hacking away at each other. And it really comes down to a much greater odds of either side winning instead of using a more advanced strategy like focusing on a single opponent to try to reduce the numbers against you. True. Though I can see how something like that could really make for some rather interesting end-of-campaign battles. True. And there's no question that having everyone have someone that they're fighting is a very dramatic scene. 
But that also can lead to situations where, let's say, there's an archer on the side of a warehouse with guards against him alone and out of range of the rest of the party. It's not great when that happens. Wink, wink. Listen to episode four of the Riffwake podcast to understand that reference. It is a good example of especially low-level characters that have the knowledge of how to hit good, but there's a reason that they're not generals in the armies of the world that they're in. They are still very much newbies to the art of war, and at higher-level strategies, well, often come at a higher level as players and as characters learn that was a bad idea. One other strategy is flanking. Flanking may or may not be in your game, depending on whether your DM wants it to be in your game or not. But flanking essentially means that when a character is on the other side of an enemy, you get advantage at hitting that enemy. Um, let me just say it: incredibly advantageous for you. Ha 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 ha! No, in all seriousness, though, no. flanking is not an official rule of the game. However, it is mentioned in the Dungeon Master's Guide as an optional variant rule, and it is one that is very often used because anything that helps speed up combat is usually something that Dungeon Masters favor. Yeah. (laughs) So on your turn, most of the time, you'll use your action to attack or cast a spell or something along those lines intended to cause harm. However... There are a lot of optional actions that you are able to take that have nothing to do with damage. So uh, one of the more common non-attack actions is that if you are too far away to reach your opponent, you're able to use your action to dash, which is for that turn, you're able to move at double speed. So if you have a character with the usual 30 feet of movement, you're able to move 60 feet for the turn, which hopefully will get your character to the opponent sooner rather than later. Uh, One thing to just note about that is that if your character is slowed by some kind of magic, then it doubles whatever your current speed is. So if you're semi-frozen and only able to move 20 feet, then a dash would only get you 40 feet. But nonetheless, it is a very useful thing to do when you need that extra speed. One of the next most common is to disengage. What that does is basically your character putting up their guard as they're walking away, so that if you're surrounded by enemies, it allows you to move without provoking opportunity attacks. So if you've got, you know, three or more guys against you, that's something to consider to prevent opponents from flanking against you. Then not having them have attacks against you might be worth you not taking an attack for a turn. Uh, on that note, another option you'd have is to take the dodge action, where instead of attacking, you just focus on not being attacked and make Every attack against you have disadvantage. Well, if you can see the attacker, at least. Invisibility is powerful. Uh, Also, it does give you advantage on dexterity saving throws in order to try to dodge spells launched against you. All right. uh, Another thing that you can do is to ready an action. Sometimes on your turn, 
the enemy just hasn't reached you yet, or you don't know where they are yet, and yet you don't want to necessarily not do something. So what you can do is ready an action. And what that does is you say, if this happens, I will do this. If a creature walks out of the trees, I will fire an arrow at them. If a person breaks their invisibility, I will swing my sword. You create an if-then situation. Unfortunately, if the thing that you declare doesn't happen, you do lose the action. Also, if a character readies a spell, that is considered to be concentration, which we can cover in more depth when we talk about magic in a future episode. But a ready spell counts as concentration, which means that they're not able to maintain any other spell that they may want. So that is a thing to consider when you are a spellcaster. Now we're going to devolve into yet another of Remy's rants about a subject. The help action. This is one that is so useful that it irks me because it doesn't make sense. What the help action does is that as an action, you grant advantage on an ability check that an ally does or on an attack that they make. My issue with this is that it doesn't matter if there's not any logical way for you to be able to help. It doesn't matter if a character is picking a lock. You can say, I help. And technically speaking, they get advantage on picking a lock, even though it's not like you can have two people using a single set of these tools to pick a lock. It's stupid and it irks me. <laughs> I'm just imagining something here where, like, the rogue is picking a lock. It's like, I can't quite get it. And just, like, somebody gropes his ass. It's like, oh, shit. And then it clicks into place. And it's like, oh, shit, thanks. <laughs> like, the help action is a brilliant idea that just is not well phrased in how it works. And it just bothers the hell out of me. It doesn't matter if a barbarian wants to assist with an, ar an arcana check when they have no reason to have that kind of knowledge. The help action is so useful because, in theory, anyone can grant advantage for anything, regardless of the logic of the situation. So a lot of DMs, myself included in this number, do limit it a bit in that you can help for anything that makes sense for you to be able to help, but by rules as written, anyone can help with anything. Because <laughs> rules. <laughs> Talking. That's something you can do, right? So on your turn, you're also able to talk. Keep it short, because turns last six seconds long, and whatever you're saying should be able to be conveyed within six seconds, generally speaking. So don't try and stretch it too much. Indeed. Uh, so let's uh, end this by just talking about a couple of fun facts, some more fun than others, but just... Interesting tidbits, let's call it, actually. Uh, first up, when you're trying to move during combat, you cannot walk through the space occupied by an opponent because they're there and they'll try to stab you with an opportunity attack. On the other hand, if you're trying to move through an ally's space, they're allowed to let you pass. But 
a fact that a lot of us get wrong is that if you are able to move through a space, whether it is ally or enemy, it's difficult terrain, which means you are supposed to be a bit slowed down trying to pass through. And uh, one other action that I forgot to mention, uh, during your turn, you're able to interact with an object for free once. So as you're walking, you can open an unlocked door, and that doesn't count as an action for you to do. But if you want to do an additional thing, you would take the interact action to do something. So if you have to walk through two doors, for example, then you need to use an action to do so. There's one interact with an object that is just listed in the player's handbook that somehow I hadn't quite noticed on my first read-through, and is now one of my favorite things in the book. Interact, drink all the ale in a flagon. A flagon is 1.1 liters, and is apparently just something that adventurers can do, I guess. Alright, and that'll do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episode, access to the Patreon Discord where you will be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook at Riffwake, and on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.